I know I've said it the last two weeks, but I have to say it again. I, I love being back uh, in Milan with you guys, and um, it's always great to go home, but uh, I don't know. I just love this place. I love this redeemed garage. I just love it. And I love that you're here from whatever nationality you are. I'm glad you're here. And, uh, you know, to worship Christ Jesus with us, it's just, I love this place. I love this place. And thank the praise team again for a beautiful time. And I always kind of lose it on that song, The Great I Am. I just kind of go away. I go away somewhere. Uh, but I'm back. And uh, I love that song. So I want to begin tonight with a little bit of a theology lesson. So I want you to stick with me. I want you to stay with me. I'm going to give you a few quotes and then we'll start into the sermon in earnest. But this theology lesson is important for you. If, you're, if you and I both are going to uh, entertain the thought of obeying the Lord in this new year. Um, I think it's important. So I just want you to bear with me here for a few minutes. That, that uh, widely read 20th century theologian, uh, British theologian, A.W. Pink, he says this, In the beginning there was nothing, no one but God. And that not for a day, a year, or an age, but from everlasting. During a past eternity, the triune God was alone, self-contained, self-sufficient, self-satisfied, in need of nothing. Pink continues, God did not create a universe, angels or men, from a sense of lack or a sense of want. 18th century theologian Jonathan Edwards says it like this, it was from, it's from no lack that a fountain bursts forth. If this is a true description of God, and it is, and I've asked you this question many times, why does God create? This is a fundamental question every Christian should be able to answer. I know that there are not many people in the world asking this question. But how do we answer the question? What's the biblical answer? Why does this self-satisfied, self-sufficient, happy, eternally and infinitely happy God, why does He create? What's the answer? What's the answer? I put you on the spot, right? Pardon me? For His glory. It's for His glory. God is putting Himself on display for the joy of His people and for His glory. Beloved, God does everything for His glory. This does not make Himself interested in an unhealthy way. Right? Now, if you do everything for your glory, this is unhealthy. But not for God. He's a perfect being. He just is. He's I am. And the best thing He can give to you is His glory. And He's giving it to you. First He's revealing it to you. Then He's giving it to His people. He's giving His glory to His people. That's what He's doing. As Jonathan Edwards says, He's communicating it to His people. We don't just get to see it the redeemed get to taste it. 
Beloved, this is an awesome theology lesson. I hope you know this. I hope you know this. This is true. And I'm going to quote John Piper here. Yeah, I know. I quote him a lot. And I, quote, I use this quote quite a bit. Some of you have heard it before. But, but I think it's appropriate. Let me share it with you. Piper says, In the beginning God went public with the glory that reverberates joyfully between the Father and the Son. There is something about the fullness of God's joy that inclines it to overflow. There's an expansive quality to His joy. It wants to share itself. All His creative works are simply the overflow of His infinite exuberance for His own excellence. Amen? Creation is almost like a, com a controlled explosion of the joy and the genius of God. And it's evident in the created order. We can see it. Romans 1 tells us we can see it. It's out there. No man has any excuse to say, I didn't know you were there, God. I didn't know. God says it's everywhere to be seen in the created order. It's not only in the created order. God has put it deep within the consciousness of every human being. We know He's there. You can never say, I didn't know. I always say it. You may be a liar, but you're not an atheist. God's never made an atheist. You know He's there. That's how He made you. That's how He made me. I like the imagery of Revelation 22.1. It reveals this, this fountain of life and love and joy and happiness and fullness and satisfaction and delight and wonder and awe. This, this river of water flowing from the throne of God. As I've told you many times, man was designed to desire this God. Man was designed to know this God. That's the preeminent purpose for which man was created. To know and love and desire and delight in God. It's what we lost in Genesis chapter 3. It's what we lost in the fall. You guys know Ecclesiastes 3.11. I bring it up frequently. God has set eternity in the heart of man. And there's nothing on this earth that will ever satisfy you completely, totally, utterly apart from coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. God has set eternity in the heart of man. And you can put the whole cosmos in there if you want. If you could. And it wouldn't move the needle. The only thing that can move the needle in the heart and soul of man is God Himself. If you're a Christian in here tonight, you understand that. You understand that and you affirm that. And yes, sometimes proper church member people don't like it when I talk like this. So if you're a proper church member person, uh, yeah, brace yourself. But I hope I can communicate it properly. You were made to lust for God. Right? Lust is a perfectly good word. It's just almost always used in a negative context. What does lust mean? To strongly desire. You were made for this. All you have to do is read the Psalms. It's all over the Psalms. The Psalmist... Well, let's just read them. Psalm 63.1 Oh God, You are my God. I shall seek You earnestly. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh yearns for You. 
Let me ask you, and this is the challenge of the sermon tonight, do you love God like that? Do you seek for God like that? God's calling every unbeliever to come to Him tonight. And He's calling every believer to come to Him in a new way. God's going to call you and me to seek Him above all things in 2015. I'm, going to, I'm not going to leave this place till I commit to God to seek Him above all things in 2015. I'm going to put Him in the right place. He's not going to be fourth in the list. He's always going to be first. Every day I get up, He's first in 2015. I'm going to seek the Lord in my career, in my marriage, as I raise my kids, as I go to the university, as I do my studies, as I interview for a job. I'm going to seek the Lord in everything I do. That's why I read the text from Isaiah. Psalm 42.1, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for You, O God. My soul thirsts for You, for the living God. Are you thirsty like that for God? Beloved, you're supposed to be thirsty like that for God. Psalm 73.25, Besides You, I desire nothing on the earth. Psalm 143.6, I stretch out my hands to God. My soul longs for You as a parched land. Our souls are to be thirsty for God as a desert is for rain. Is that how it is with you and Jesus? <laughs> this is the picture we have coming from the Scriptures. I've quoted this to you many times. C.S. Lewis is right. Mankind has settled for lesser joys. Mankind has settled. You know the famous quote. Let me share it with you. C.S. Lewis says, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with sin, whatever your chosen sin might be, when infinite joy has been offered to us. We're like ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot even begin to imagine what is meant by an offer at the, of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Listen, if you're all caught up in some sin that has some hold over you, that's master over you, that you can't seem to throw off. You, you, know what, you know what I'm going to tell you, don't you? You've settled, beloved. You weren't made for that little bitty pleasure. You were made for God. You were made to delight in God. That's what He made you for. That's why that sin will not satisfy you. I don't care how much you do it. I don't care how much you get. It will never satisfy you. It will never satisfy you. You know, some people even idolize proper things like family or children. If I could just have a family, if I could just have, have, if I could just have kids, if I could, if I could you know, just have success in my career, it doesn't matter what it is, it's not going to fill you up. Ever! Only God can fill you up, beloved. Only God can fill you up. That's why I'm going to exhort you tonight, both lost and found. If you're here tonight and you're lost, I'm exhorting you to seek the Lord and be saved. And if you're found tonight, I'm going to exhort you to seek the Lord in a new way. I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge you to seek the Lord. I'm going to challenge you to push the envelope this year. Go to a new place with God. Obey Him like you never have before. Commit your, your, your life and your ways to Him like you never have before. It's all brand new. 2015, it's yours, God. It's all yours. That's the challenge tonight. There's a breathtaking parallel truth here. God commands mankind at all times in every place to seek Him. 
There's a beautiful biblical truth. Actually, there's, there's one thing that the Bible says God seeks. There's only one thing. This self-satisfied, self-contained, infinitely happy God seeks. What does God seek? Someone tell me. What does God seek? Anybody know? I find it three times in the Bible. It might be more, but I find it three times in the Bible. He's seeking me. He's seeking sinners. You remember what Jesus said? I have come to seek and save what? That which is lost. What does Jesus say over in John 4? He says, The Father seeks men who will worship Him in spirit and truth. There's only one thing this awesome God who needs nothing seeks for, and it's His people. God seeks for me. This is, this is not only beautiful, it's, it's humbling. It's an awesome thing. You know, we mentioned it last week. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve didn't go looking for God. What happened? God came for them. So throughout Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, we have this exhortation. Seek the Lord. Whether you're lost or found tonight, I'm preaching to you. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in 2015. Seek the Lord. I'm preaching to the lost and to the found. I'm preaching to the nominal Christian. Maybe, maybe church is just a habit to you, but you've never really put God first. I say to you, put down your religion. Put down your cultural habit and seek Christ. Come into relationship with Christ. Understand what salvation truly is. This is a relentless call of God in the Bible. Come to Me. Seek Me. Seek Me. It's relentless. Seek Me, God says. So beloved, on the last day, if you haven't found God, guess whose fault it is? If you've been indifferent to all of these commands to seek Him, if you've been indifferent all your life, Certainly not the Lord's fault. So unbeliever, tonight on the authority of the Word of God, I exhort you to seek the Lord in 2015 for the salvation of your soul that you might not spend eternity in hell. And believer, tonight on the authority of the Word of God, I exhort you to seek the Lord in 2015 and be a disciple, uh, uh, the kind of disciple you've never been before. A bold and fearless Courageous disciple giving a witness in the world which is the only reason God's left you on the planet. It would be far better to be with God right now. God hasn't left you on this planet, so you know, you can fulfill your earthly desires, although He may let you do that because He's such a good God. The preeminent reason for Christians to still be here is to give a witness. That's why we're here, to give a witness, beloved that God might bring in His people. So tonight, we're going to look at uh, this call of God. And listen, I want to say to you, I, my favorite verse in the Bible maybe, Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. You must not only believe that He is, you must believe that He's good. 
And you remember how the King James translates that verse? It talks about those who diligently seek Him. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to take the, the word from the King James translation. Can you honestly look yourself in the mirror in your prayer time? Can you stand before God and say, Lord, I am diligently seeking You. I am diligently seeking You. You are my first concern. Is that true in your life, beloved? God is your first concern. Everything else is way down here. And we understand if God is our first concern, then we really know how to love our spouse, right? Then we really know how to do our job, right? Then we really know how to raise our kids, right? Then we really know how to be a neighbor. Then we really know how to be a, a, a member of the body of Christ. If Christ is first, if I'm processing everything in relation to Him and who He is, then we really know how to be God's people. Are you diligently seeking the Lord tonight? That's the challenge I think the Lord has for us. Now some of you theologians have already thought of this. You're saying, Jim, what about Romans 3.11? What does Romans 3.11 say? There are none who seek for God, no, not one. Uh, this is... Uh, an Old Testament truth, it comes out of Psalm 14. In fact, Paul is quoting Psalm 14 there in Romans 3. I'll answer that at the end of the sermon. You say, well, Jim, if, if mankind doesn't seek God, and yet, and yet God is commanding man to, uh, to seek Him, how do we deal with this tension? What do we say about this tension? And we know that men like to talk about seeking God. We, we, we know that. It's the, the thing that every false religion talks about. They're seeking God. But the biblical God says, no man has ever sought for me. This is the Word of God. We, you know, we either Bible believers or we're not. God says, no man has ever come after me. Men don't seek me. Fallen men don't ever seek me. I seek them. This is one of the beautiful truths of the Bible. So, I'm just going to quickly go through Scripture and I'm going to give you a data dump, more or less. On, I just want you to feel the weight and the scope and the sweep of this command of God. Seek, seek me. I just want you to feel it. I can't go to every verse, but I'm going to go to a number of them. We'll start in the Pentateuch. Uh, the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 4.29. God says you will seek the Lord your God and you will find Him if you search for Him with all your heart and all your soul. How many times have we said it in this church? You get as much of God as you want. You say, Jim, I, I don't really feel the power of God in my life. It's your fault. It's not God's fault. You get as much of God as you want, beloved. How much do you want? Are, are you putting yourself in God's way? Are you in His Word? Are you on, on your knees? Are you in the, the church? Are you loving and serving His people? Are you using your gifts in the church? Are you putting yourself in God's way to be changed? To be changed by the power of His presence in your life? 
Some of the Old Testament books, historical books, 1 Chronicles 16, 10-11. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face when you get a chance, when TV's over, or after the movie. I'm not saying those things are inherently wrong, but God says, seek me all the time. <laughs> Continually. Right? Even in our entertainment, we are seeking the Lord. Amen? Shouldn't we be? Unless our entertainment is, would not be pleasing to God. I've always loved David's words to his son, and I've spoken these words to my sons. If you seek God, He will let you find Him. Okay, it happened last week, it's happening this week. I'm getting goosebumps again. This is a promise from God. David said to his boy, if you seek God, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake God, He will reject you. This beautiful, beautiful, beautiful promise. And this sober warning. Many of you are familiar with 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's an obvious call of God to His people. God says, if My people who are called by My name humble themselves and pray and seek My face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. 2 Chronicles 12.14 tells us that King Rehoboam of Judah... I want you to listen to this verse. King Rehoboam of Judah, he did evil. What was his evil? Because he did not set his heart to seek God. Beloved, you can't simply be passive about God and think that's acceptable to Him. In fact, if you've met Him, you know you can't be passive. Amen? He's too compelling. He's too desirable. He's too beautiful. I love that verse. 2 Chronicles 15, 12-15 talks about uh, Azariah the prophet, and he speaks to King Asa, and he says, if you'll seek the Lord, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. In their distress, they turned to the Lord, and they sought the Lord, and He let them find Him. This is the course of the Bible. Seek God. You know, I meet Christians, and it's like, they haven't changed. You know, I go home sometimes, and I meet guys that I knew 20, 30, 40 years ago. They call themselves Christians. They're still in the same place. Do you understand what I mean? Spiritually. I'm not talking about physically. They haven't changed a bit. Their view of God has not increased at all. Beloved, it ought not be this way if we are truly God's people and we are truly walking with Him. Back to the, Azariah the prophet who spoke to King Asa, he said, he said, he said, I will be found by, by them. But if you forsake him, he, he will forsake you. In their distress, they turned to the Lord. They sought him, and he let them find him. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Unbeliever, let me ask you, are you in distress? Of course you're in distress. You're in distress. Of course you are. You don't know why you're here. You don't know why you exist. You don't know what your purpose is. You don't know where you came from. You don't know where you're going. Of course, in your quiet moments, you're in distress. And the Bible is quite clear. You're on your way to hell forever. 
God says, seek me. Seek me. And how does he say it? I'll give you rest on every side. <laughs> Amen. I'll give you rest on every side. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. And believer, are you in distress? Seek the Lord and He will give you rest. And I'm just going to throw 2 Corinthians 16.9 in just because I love it. And you guys know it. I say it to you a lot. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth that He may what? Strongly support those whose heart is His. Amen? Isn't that a beautiful text? I love it. Or we could say, as Eugene Peterson paraphrased, the man who is seeking God, God's on the lookout for you. <laughs> I love it. God's on the lookout for you. How can we not be in awe of these stunning promises? I'm not sure. Ezra 8.22, The hand of the Lord is favorably disposed to all who seek Him, but His power and His anger against those who forsake Him. Thirdly, I just want to do a really quick, I'm going to run through the Psalms really quick. I'm not going to give you the references. If you want them, email me. I'll give you all the references. First Psalm 9, For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 24, Those who seek God's face shall receive a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 34, Those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Psalm 40, Let all who seek God rejoice and be glad in God. Psalm 69, You who seek God, let your heart revive. <laughs> Again, as Eugene Peterson paraphrase, uh, paraphrases, he says, O oh, you God-seekers, take heart! Exclamation point. Psalm 105, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face continually. Psalm 119.2, How blessed are those who seek Him with all their heart. Just a quick look at the Proverbs here. And you guys know in Proverbs, wisdom is personified. God is speaking through wisdom as if uh, wisdom is, is speaking in the first person, as if they're a person. It's wisdom personified and God is speaking through wisdom. Verse 22 of Proverbs 1, God says, how long will you be naive? How long will you like stupid stuff? How long will you love simplicity? God says. Eugene Peterson, when he paraphrases verse 22, he uses words like cynicism and ignorance. How long will you be ignorant? How long will you be an idiot? <laughs> this is the way Peterson translates that. Verse 23, God says, Turn to Me, I'll make My words known to you. Verse 24 and 25, God says, I've called to you and you've refused to seek Me. Verses 26 and 30, God says, Your calamity will come and you will seek Me, but it will be too late. You hated the truth. You would not accept My counsel. You spurned all My warnings. Verses 31 and 32, God says, Because all of this is true, you, you have destroyed yourself. Because you won't seek Me, God says, you've destroyed yourself. Here I am, he says. And I'm going to close with this beautiful text. It's in Isaiah. I don't remember the address right now, but we'll. God says, Here I am. Why won't you seek him? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, why not? God says, Here I am. <laughs> wow. It's a. It's an awesome thing.
Proverbs 1 ends with a promise there. Verse 33, God says, But he who listens to me shall live securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. Proverbs 11:27, God says, He who diligently seeks good, which we could say God, seeks favor. But he who searches after evil, it will come to you. Are you seeking something less than God? Preeminently, are you seeking something less than God? Is God maybe fourth or fifth or sixth? Or You're not quite sure where God is on your list, beloved. You're flirting with evil. It's what the text says. The unvarnished and pervasive message of the Bible is if you seek God, you'll find God. And whether you're in the midst of great trial or great blessing, that's important in one sense, but in an ultimate sense, I found God. Everything temporally is processed through the filter of, or through the lens of, I found God. I know God. I was counseling with a brother earlier. Really, being a Christian is like cheating. I'm not saying we don't have hard days, but we know our sovereign God holds those days. And it and he's not just he hasn't just known about this day, he's worked this day, he's got a purpose for this day. On our worst day, God's doing a thing. I love that biblical truth about him. In Isaiah 31, 1, God says, Woe to those who trust in their own strength and in the ways of the world and do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek My face. God says. So beloved, if you're building your life on any foundation other than Jesus Christ, you are sowing the seeds of evil and woe will come to you. This is what God says in this book, which we believe in this church is His inerrant and infallible Word. I know there are myriad views of the Bible, but in this church, we believe God said this. And so, this is all we teach. This is all we preach. I don't really care what the Pope says. He might say something good. I don't care what the patriarch says. He might say something good. I don't care what the most famous preacher and uh, Protestant preacher in the U.S. says. I don't care. It might be good. This is all I care about. Does God say it? This is what you should care about. This is what you should love. This is what you should be ear deep in all the time. Knowing Him more intimately through His Word. You guys know this beautiful promise, Jeremiah 29. I just got to read it to you. 11 through 14. God says, "For the, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon Me and come and pray to Me and I will listen to you and you will seek Me and you will find Me when you search for Me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You get as much of God as you want. You say, Jim, I don't seem to have much of God. It's your fault. 
It's not his. Now, he may be quiet at this time, but that's always his sovereign prerogative in your life. Will you trust him when he's quiet? Will you trust him? Will you still love him? Will you still honor him? Even when you don't hear him speaking to you, I love this Jeremiah 29 passage. It's uh, obviously a, a promise to God's people, but in relation to uh, seeking God, it's, it's a verse I use often to, to, to talk to unbelievers about. You know, when, when someone comes to me and they say, Jim, I think I want to be a Christian. How do I become a Christian? I don't ever say, well, pray this prayer and you'll be one. I never say that. You know why I never say that? Does anybody, can anybody think maybe why I never say that? The Bible never says that! Ever! So I hope none of you in here are trusting in some prayer you prayed sometime. It may have been genuine. But the way you know you're a Christian is that you have God in your life. God is in your life. There's a relationship going on. And your life is changing. Sanctification is happening. You love God more and more and more and more, and you're obeying God more and more and more and more. You're not perfect yet, nor will you ever be till you see Him, but sanctification is happening. So I, I go to, to, uh, to uh, uh, Jeremiah 29 and I say, Seek the Lord! Jim, what must I do to be saved? Seek the Lord! I don't have a formula! There's no formula in the Bible! You say, Jim, I don't, I don't understand about repentance and faith. Seek the Lord. Seek God. I, I truly believe, beloved, beloved, and you may disagree with me. I truly believe this is the best thing we can say to someone who's searching for God. Is this great promise. Seek the Lord and He will be found. Seek the Lord and He will be found. God is not playing... A, a game of cosmic hide-and-seek. If He is sought for, genuinely sought for, He will be found. You remember what Paul said in Acts 17.27, God is not far from each one of us. There's another sobering warning that comes from the prophet Hosea. Those who would presume on His patience and forbearance. You know, many in the church, and I meet these folks, I've been in ministry for... I've actually been doing lay and vocational ministry for 30 years, and I, you know, I, meet, I meet these folks who think they can sin with impunity and still call themselves Christians. Now, we know that Christians sin. I stand before you as a Christian who sins. But some think they can sin with impunity. Some think their life never needs to change. They prayed the magic prayer. Amen? They did the magic ordinance, so I'm in. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter if, if I'm ear deep in pornography or if I'm sleeping with my girlfriend or, or you know, I'm abusing people out in the world for, for, for my own personal gain. It doesn't matter because I did the magic prayer. I meet people like this all the time. Beloved, read the Bible. We know better. <laughs> What does Paul say? If any man's in Christ, someone tell me. He's new! He's not perfect, but he's new. So that, that kind of dynamic is always going on. 
Listen to Hosea 5, 6. God says, They will seek Me. Those who have presumed on Him, they will seek Me, but they will not find Me, for I have withdrawn from them. This is a pretty sober warning, beloved. And so I exhort you as the Psalms does and as the, the writer of Hebrews does three times, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. If you hear Him tonight, repent of your sin and come to Christ tonight. Place your faith in Him for the salvation of your soul. And Christian, if you're hearing the Spirit of God tonight, yeah, go out the door and be an awesome disciple in 2015. <laughs> go cover some new ground with God in 2015. Whatever it looks like, it's probably different for each one of us, you probably know where God's pushing you. You probably know that place in your life where you've left off. He's not really incorporated in that part of your life yet. You probably know what I'm talking about. Let God have that. Let God have that this year in 2015. Do you believe He's good? Do you believe He's a rewarder? Let God have that. Diligently seek God at that place, right? In that place. So... And I love Amos 5.4. God says, Seek me that you might... Here's the whole sermon. Seek me that you might live. If you're lost, you need the Lord that you might live. If you're found, you need the Lord that you will live ever bigger. <laughs> you know? Yeah, God has huge plans for His people. On, on this planet, and also, obviously, on the new, the new earth. The new heaven and the new earth. So lost friend, I'm calling you out of death and into life. You must seek the Lord. Christian, I'm calling you into a deeper, more, more abundant kind of relationship with uh, your Lord and Savior. Lost friend, you need to turn your back on the world and you need to run to Christ. Christian, you need to utterly sell out. That's, that's the sermon tonight. If you're lost, come to Christ. If you're found, sell out to Christ. That's the sermon. That's the sermon. So, just quickly, briefly, how do we do this, Jim? How, how do we flesh this out? Most of you already know the answer to this question, but I'll cover it quickly. How do, we, how do we do this on a daily basis? What does this look like consistently? You will seek God and find Him when you are in His Word. He speaks here. He speaks here. As you read it, study it, meditate upon it, talk about it, pray it, and live it. You will seek God and find Him in your prayer and fasting. As you spend time with the Lord, as you dedicate personal time with the Lord, and you talk to Him, but you also, oh guess what? You listen to Him. <laughs> it's not just a monologue, right? You're listening. You're not just talking all the time. You're listening. You will seek and find the Lord as you worship Him with God's people in this place. Or wherever you move next, in a Bible preaching, God exalting fellowship. Hebrews 10:25 says, "Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You will seek in God and find Him as you love and serve this church, as you get involved in this church and you do random acts of kindness for people in this church, right? And you serve this church with your gifts. As Jesus says in John 13.35, the world will know your mind. Why? The, by the way you love one another. <laughs> this is really the signature. This is the signature of every true Christian.
You will seek God and find Him in your generosity as you bring your, your offerings to the church, but also even outside the church. You're generous. You're a generous person. You give and you come alongside and you help. You will seek God and find Him as you share the Gospel with the lost as God empowers you. I think simply we could just say this, but it seems like I always end up in this verse and I'm sorry, you guys, some of you might could guess which verse I'm going to, John 14.21. We could simply say that we will encounter God and we will seek God in our obedience. John 14.21, He who has My commandments and keep them, He it is who loves Me, and he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. My greatest encounters with God, I'm 60 years old in a couple of months. So I'm telling you as an old guy, my greatest encounters happened when I obeyed the Lord with fear and trembling. John 14.21 is true. God reveals Himself. God discloses Himself in the obedience. And I know for every one of you, just like it is true for me, God's challenging you right now, right now, on a point of obedience. Right now. It's probably true of you too. And I have one loose end to tie up before we close. Remember we said the Bible clearly reveals that natural man does not seek God, but God commands man to seek Him. So how do we reconcile this tension? Well, this is probably a sermon series, so I will only superficially address it. But what the born-again believer discovers as we study God's Word, we discover that while we were doing what God called us to do, while we were seeking Him, we find out that, oh, guess what was really happening? God was seeking us. It feels like we're seeking Him. But after we come to Him and we we study the Bible and we gain some maturity in rightly dividing the Word, we understand John 6.44, He was drawing us the whole time. (laughs) Right? We thought we'd found Him when in fact the overarching principle truth of the Bible regarding the salvation of a man's soul is that we have been found by God. I love this. It's an awesome truth that this self-sufficient, infinitely satisfied, eternally happy, in need of nothing God seeks me. He seeks sinners who will repent and believe and who will follow His Son. So I ask you, is C.S. Lewis right about you? Have you settled? Have you settled for anything less than radical discipleship? Beloved, if you settle for anything, you call yourself a Christian tonight and you settle for anything less than radical discipleship, by the authority of the Word of God, I call you to repent tonight. I call you to repent tonight. I call you to give 2015 to God. It's His. You have open hands. I'm not going to hold on to this year, I'm not going to do with it what I please. God, I'll do with it what You please. So that's the challenge for you and it's the challenge for me. And here's the verse I was talking about earlier and I love this verse. I love this verse. Listen to this verse. You probably know it. Isaiah 65.1 
With respect to, you know, everybody who is a Christian, they understand this verse. Isaiah 65.1, God says, I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am. Yeah, it's happening again. <laughs> this awesome God who should just judge us all, right? He should just pour out His wrath. But He says, here I am. Here I am. Beloved, my exhortation to you for 2015, if you're lost, you must come to Christ for the salvation of your soul. And if you are born again and you are in a relationship with Jesus, beloved, I exhort you, seek the Lord in that place of obedience. You know what He's called you to do. You know where He's challenging you. Do it. Do it. And God says, I will disclose Myself to you. You get as much of God as you want. So, it's up to you. <laughs> How much do you want? How much do you want in 2015? I want more. I want more. And here's what I know as a 60-year-old man, a Christian for 30. If I will obey Him, I will get more. Disclosure comes. Disclosure comes, beloved, as we seek the Lord, as we obey the Lord, as we delight in the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we love You. What a, great, what a great exhortation. Thank You for these awesome promises. Thank You, Lord. You simply say in Your Word, here I am. And for any who would seek You, You tell us You will be found. And the breathtaking truth is that when we find You, we discover that You have been looking for us the whole time. You have been seeking us. You've been coming for us. You've been pursuing us. You've been drawing us. Oh God, we are in awe of how You've loved us. We are in awe. Lord, I do pray if there's one here that does not know You tonight, I pray that You would draw them with Your Spirit. That they would seek You for the salvation of Your soul. And for the rest of us, Father, I pray that we would not be timid with 2015. That in fact, we would give it to You, all of it to You. And we would be Your people in the world, strong, doing exploits for the glory of the name of Jesus. We would be Your witnesses. Oh Lord, I pray. We give all praise, glory, and honor to the matchless and beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we sing uh, that big God song? What was it? What was the big God song we sang? The Great I Am. I'm sorry. I want to sing the big God song, okay? Um, it's a big God song and I love it. So let's, let's sing it together.